Support for the Source podcast comes from UT Health San Antonio, South Texas' largest academic research institution, where what is discovered in its labs translates into life-changing patient care. More at groundbreakingresearch.org. Live from the John L. Santico studio, this is The Source. From Texas Public Radio, I'm David Martin Davies. We're now in crunch time for preparation for the coming total solar eclipse. It's 40 days away. Planning is necessary for you to get the best seats to soak it all in. The moon will be casting its shadow across Texas and 12 other states, but experts predict that Texas will have the best view of this phenomena. Uh, And for many, it will be a a once-in-a-lifetime experience that we will never forget. Uh, To tell us more uh, about uh, solar eclipses and answer your questions, we're joined by Angela Speck. Uh, She is a professor of astrophysics and a department chair at the Physics and Astronomy at UTSA. And Angela, welcome to The Source. Thank you for having me. So tell us more about, you know, what... When is this thing happening and all that? (laughs) Uh, So, as you said, 40 days from now, it's April 8th. It's a Monday. Um, And for Texas, basically, uh, the eclipse starts with, you know, the very first uh, bit of sun missing right around noon. It's about 12.15 for San Antonio. uh, And then we get plunged into darkness right around 1.30 p.m. uh, And then about 75 minutes it's all over so we have about two and a half hours of eclipse and depending on where you are you have anything from uh, no totality to a few seconds to four and a half minutes of darkness now san antonio is getting some of the totality and some not so much some people will be living thinking well i live on the side of the town where I'm not going to get to totality. So, I mean, how, how good will that be? So if you are not in the path of totality, you will miss the show. The difference, so I think a lot of people got to see at least a partial, if not the full ring of fire, and are thinking, oh, that was an eclipse, but that was not a total eclipse. In fact, even at its peak, there was still 10% of the sun showing. Anywhere outside of the path of totality, it will not be a plunge into darkness. It will not be this spectacular view of the sun's corona. You will not see stars. The animals will not react. There are just so many different things that you will not see, feel, experience, mostly the awe that comes with it if you are not in the path of totality. And even at 99.9%, partial eclipse it's still a partial eclipse you still don't get everything so i mean i covered the uh partial eclipse that we had the ring of fire eclipse that we had last year and that was pretty cool it was pretty awesome uh people were like wow this is the the leaves on the trees you the shadow you could see stuff going on there and it was definitely really cool to see the shadow of the moon or the moon kind of eating away at the sun little by little uh people were very excited about that had a great time And you're saying this is going to be much, much more than that. Absolutely. So you're going to get all of that and then more. So we still have the partial eclipse as the moon is moving in the way. You still get to see all those shadows. You still get to have all that coolness. But now instead of seeing the edge of the sun all the way around the, around the moon, you can, you're can you just not going to see that. Now, instead of it being, eh, it's kind of a little darker than usual, it's going to be late twilight or full moon dark. And you're going to see stars and planets. And it's going to get colder by up to 10 degrees. 
there are going to be breezes and there's just so much more that happens. The difference between seeing a partial eclipse and a total eclipse is like the difference between going to see your favorite rock band in concert and driving up to the gig and sitting outside in the car. That's a pretty big difference. So, uh, so, um, you're, so are you telling people make the trip? Just don't. It's like you're you're not on the path of totality. It's in your best interest to be go move yourself to the location where you will see the full thing. Absolutely. So you know, um, even in uh, downtown downtown San Antonio, whether you're at the Alamo, the Riverwalk, or you're up by the museums, the zoo. It's at 99.9% and you're not going to get the full show. And you only have to go a mile or so, either north or west, northwest, um, to get into the path of totality. Now, the further in that direction you go, the more time you get in darkness. But just getting into it at all is totally worth it. Sorry, totality worth it. (laughs) Totality worth it. So how are you preparing? What are your plans for the eclipse? So for for me personally, um, UTSA is doing an event for UTSA. Now, one of the things that always happens during eclipses is there are lots of events and you want to have them all over the place. And um, UTSA has 32,000 students plus uh, all the faculty and staff. We are not inviting the public because there just isn't space for that. But there are lots of public events. And one of the things I am doing is helping with... Um, publicizing, training volunteers, all that sort of thing for the public events. So the city parks, all the city parks in the path of totality, so in the north and west part of the city, they all have events and they will have the glasses. So if you lost your glasses from the last time, you will you will be able to get them. Um, I still have mine. I, yeah. So the, this has not expired. It's still good. As long as you didn't bend them. So if, if there's creases in the material, then they're no longer um, good. That will let more light in and that could do damage. But as long as you've kept them fairly flat, um, so they're not getting creased up, then they are good. They do not expire and you can keep using them. In fact, right now, although it's cloudy out there right now, there is a huge sunspot on the sun and you don't need anything but those glasses. You can put them on and you can see a spot on the sun. So you don't even have to wait to the eclipse to try them out. And so uh, where do you get these things if uh, mine are bent up and are chewed up or the dog got them or whatever? So there are various places selling them. I have to say that although the Alamo is not in the path of totality, it does have the coolest glasses. Um, they Why? are what they makes... are Alamo shaped, <laughs> which is just awesome. Okay. Um, but also, you know, the Duseum, the Witty, the Scoby, they're all selling them. HAB is selling them. Whataburger has them. Um, libraries, they gave them away before. They'll be doing them again. Again, that will be, you have to come and listen to mostly me um, talk about eclipses before you get glasses from them. So they're giving them away. Um, in the north uh, northwest region, um, Northside is Northside School District is entirely in the path of, of totality. They've bought glasses for their kids. So if your kids are in Northside, they're sorted. Kids in other school districts, less so. And that's a little well, bit Well, it's, it's Texas, so we, we're used to that. You know? <laughs> North side, they get the eclipse. The other parts of town, not so much. <laughs> so actually following up on that, there's a, a project right now that um, the Alamo STEM ecosystem, which is a mixture of businesses, educational organizations, museums, libraries, um, we have put together a, a, a program at Wolf Stadium. So there will actually be a viewing event 
they only get 21 seconds at Wolf Stadium, but it is free for school kids. So if you're in a school district that is in the south or west of town and you want to bring your kids up to that stadium, that is open and available. And if you just Google Wolf Stadium Eclipse, you'll find the, the links to it. So this is happening on a Monday. Are, are schools are out that day or taking the day off? Most schools are not. It varies by school district. But this is happening around noon. Yes. Okay. So the idea would be that you would bring your kids out for the whole day. So it would be a school trip. For their enrichment. Exactly. Because you want them to see it. Yeah. And and they'll remember it for the rest of their lives. It could turn them on. It could be this spark event that really changed their lives. A lot of people uh, who saw eclipses early in their life found that it changed their lives. Not necessarily to become scientists, although some did, but it is just an awe-inspiring event. Got to take a break here. Uh, Luis, I'm going to get you on the air. You've called in, so I'm going to get you on when we come back. We'll be hearing about what artists are doing locally uh, to celebrate and honor and tribute uh, the eclipse. Uh, This is The Source on Texas Public Radio. We'll be right back. Support for TPR comes from La Fonda on Main, honoring the authentic cuisine of interior Mexico since 1932. Open for lunch, brunch, and dinner. More information at LaFondaOnMain.com. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. We're talking about the coming solar eclipse. It is a total solar eclipse for part of San Antonio. Uh, The path of totality will cut across uh, the northern, northwestern part of San Antonio. Uh, but other parts of the state are having events where they will be long, uh, longer, have more path of totality, and uh, they're saying, come over. You know, we welcome you. It'll be fun. Uh, it'll be an event you'll never forget. With us is Angela Speck. She's a professor of astrophysics, the department chair of physics and astronomy at UTSA, and she is a eclipse uh, maven. I would say, someone who really, really gets into eclipses. Uh, You can call in, tell us your eclipse story. Uh, What are you planning to do? What do you recommend people do? If you have an event, uh, let us know about it. We can spread the word. Give us a call, 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. Let's get Luis on the air. And Luis, thank you so much for calling in. And tell us about your plans for the eclipse. Hey, how's it going, David? Um, Well, first of all, I'm part of a group collective called uh, uh, Project MASA. And uh, we are a collective that uh, focuses on Chicano art um, issues that affect our people. And this is an event that is uh, one in, uh, unique in a lifetime. So it's called the Tanatli Kualo. It's when the sun is eaten by the goddess Platekutli. And so what we've done as an artist collective, as an artist group, uh, in our fifth iteration of, uh, of the presentation is to create a sequence of a, a neo-ceremonial uh, effect that is uh, going to happen during the uh, uh, the eclipse, and we're filming it. We have artists coming in from LA. We have artists from here in town as well, and in Austin, and as part of this collective, and we're filming it as a, as a, a, a Chicano futurist uh, art film. So uh, included in this uh, group is uh, artist Kim Bishop, Brandy Gonzalez, Juan Escobedo, Anthony, the cosmic poet, Verena Gaudi, Laura Molina, Amalia Ortiz, and Cancion Canibal, um, Cindy Valderas, uh, me of course, and we've working with this uh, with a musician from LA, Christopher Garcia, and uh, um, also with Martin C. Rodriguez and Guillermo Zavala here from San Antonio. Now Chris uh, is uh, you 
providing the music. He's a he creates a, he's a professor and teaches about indigenous instruments, and so he's also plays them and performs them uh, performs all over the world. So he's going to be providing the music that we've been using for this movie, for this film that we're creating in honor of the of the eclipse and to create a ceremony. What's going to happen on April? Uh, 6th, which is the Saturday before the eclipse, is a Masaport Authority naturalization station at the Sala Diaz outpost. That's gonna. That's where we're going to have a naturalization event for all people who want to become cosmic citizens to apply for citizenship by making sure that they wear their cosmic couture. This is a low-grade entry to become a citizen. Uh, you have to be wearing your cosmic couture and Cosmic couture is the outfits that we wear um, on a daily basis. They, they could, they're, um, it's almost like cosplay, um, uh, role-playing, but we're using it as a representation of what we use to navigate the social interactions on a daily basis that we face as minorities, as oppressed people in the state of Texas and the state in the nation as well. So that's going to happen at Saladillas on Saturday, April 6th, pre the event, and we're going to roll out to an undisclosed location along the Guadalupe River, where we're going to get about three minutes and 25 seconds of total darkness, and that's going to be the last part of the art film that we're filming. And so the public's role, they can participate in becoming uh, cosmic citizens, and tell me again, where, where is that going to be? That will be at Sala Villas, the internationally known art gallery that is down in uh, Southtown. On, off of Styron, Sala Villas. Uh, it will be uh, the information will be posted on their website shortly. Uh, but that's where we are going to have a, a naturalization station, um, and all this is meant in, in um, as a satirical approach to the issues that we're facing right now in Texas with all um, immigrants and minorities and oppressed uh, women. And so uh, we we are protesting in a manner that's uh, satirical, so we can. Um, plant some seeds in the minds of people and have them start thinking about the important things that are happening in our nation right now, especially with immigrants and minorities and women and the, the loss of our rights. Well, when you consider that the shadow, the solar eclipse, will be traveling from the south to the north uh, from Mexico, we, have to, we, we talk about it as if this is happening only in the United States. Of course, it isn't. It's happening in, in, in Mexico and it comes across and it crosses the Rio Grande. The first place it'll be is in Shelby Park, which is in Eagle Pass, where Governor Abbott has set up Operation Lone Star. Uh, there was supposed to be a celebration of the eclipse there, uh, but uh, which is the first place in the United States where the eclipse is going to happen. And then now that it looks like that event's going to have to be canceled uh, because of the presence of the Texas National Guard and Operation Lone Star and are the bobbed, barbed wire and everything else that's there. I mean, it seems you can't, the, 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 the eclipse shadow doesn't care about borders. It just comes across. Right, right. And, and so that's why we're doing, we're creating this ceremony that's, that's a mixture of science fiction and ancient uh, uh, ceremonial practices, as well as ancient music and modern music, uh, punk punk rock and modern music with Cancion Canibal and the, the, what they stand for as well. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, Luis, uh, thank you so much for letting us know. And uh, if you have something, uh, I'll put, I know you, you emailed me some information. I will put that link on our website uh, so people can follow up, okay? Thank you. Much appreciated. Thank All right. you. All right. Take care. Uh, so uh, Angela Speck, UTSA, uh, Chair of the Physics and Astronomy Department, what, what do you think, take from uh, Luis's events? That sounds amazing. Um, I, I love this idea of... Uh, 
not just doing art, but making it uh, a statement, that's that's fantastic. Um, I, there's long been um, a, a lot of use of eclipses, both in art and in politics. Um, you know, that when we've been able to predict them, the people who know they're coming have used them against the people who don't. Um, and so I think this is a, a kind of a, a marvelous way of taking advantage of the event. It, helps us. it reminds us of our place in the universe is we're not the center of it, you know, even as individuals, you know. Uh, but yeah, and, and being able to celebrate it together. And and, and, and I'm going to go to another caller. Uh, we have uh, Jody on the line. And Jody, you're on the air. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, uh, as an indigenous American, have been super excited about this and planning about this date for uh, since before the annual, annual eclipse last year. Um, I have friends coming from uh, Chicago, Canada, and as far away as the UK uh, to, to stay with me. Um, and I was just listening to you speak earlier, and um, originally our plan was to drive to Castroville to try to maximize our time uh, in in the air, uh, in the totality. But I uh, listening to you speak. I live at the uh, near the uh, intersection of Petranco and 1604. Am I far enough west to where I could just would it be you know is it worth it to drive to Castroville or should I just stay home and watch it from my from my backyard and set up set up a little party there? Go to Castroville. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't have a map in front of me, but you're going to be really close to the edge. And the closer to the edge you are, the less time you get in darkness. And so going to Castroville, you're going to get quite a bit more time. And I believe that Castroville has closed their schools, so they may have some parties going on anyway. But you just want to place your own your own grill and, and things like that. But uh, it might be worth it to relocate all that to someplace with more totality. Because once, once you get some, you want more. Definitely. All right, uh, so let's go. So the, the, if you want the maximum amount of totality in, in uh, along this, so I don't know if it's just here in Texas or South Texas, but I heard that the in, near Eagle Pass at the old radar base, which is just outside uh, to the northwest of uh, Eagle Pass, right, just only like 20 minutes away, that that's going to be the place, the best place to see the eclipse. So basically, the the center line of the path. So you've got this path that's it's a little over 100 miles wide, and if you're on the center line, you get the most time. But the most time anywhere on the path is actually in Mexico. We meant you mentioned that we're not really talking about Mexico. Actually, Mexico gets more time than the U.S., um, but it's only by a few seconds. So within, if you don't want to cross the border, if you're within the U.S., then on the border is the longest. And right there is where you're in the middle of the path. So you're going to get nearly four and a half minutes in darkness. And that's the at the radar base. That's close to the radar base, yeah. Okay, which is it's a shutdown uh, military post. Now it's just uh, owned by uh, the state or the county of, of Maverick, which they use for things. Let's go to another caller. We have Stephen on the line. Hey, Stephen. Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Um, following the eclipse, there is going to be a comet that will likely be visible, a Halley-style comet. I was wondering if you could talk about that. So there is, in fact, a comet. Yes. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it doesn't have a nice name. It's got a number. Um, and in fact, during the eclipse, it will be very close to where Jupiter is. So if you think about the the, the eclipse happens, uh, we're in totality, and it gets dark like a full moon night. So you can certainly see planets and possibly the brightest stars. Um, but 
really close to where Jupiter is in the sky, you will see, well, you might see this comet, but it really depends on how bright it is. It's not clear to me that it's actually going to be bright enough to see it during totality. That would be really cool if we could. Um, but then the problem is that because it's in that bit of the sky right now, uh, that means we can't see it at night because it's in that direction, kind of in, in the direction of the sun. So it's in the opposite direction to what we see at night. Um, so if we can see it during the eclipse, that would be great. But I can't promise it'll be bright enough for that. And um, I guess that just adds more. Does, does that add to the experience of thinking about this comment? Oh, I think so. I mean, I, I made a little uh, view graph using, you know, there's lots of uh, planetarium software where you can kind of simulate what the sky looks like. And I managed to get it to put the comment on there. And I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. Um but I'm not going to panic about whether I can see it or not because it may just be too faint. So a lot of questions about where I am in the path of totality. Where should I go? Is there uh, a website that you use? What do you, what do you look at? So there's a few different ones. Um, first of all, I also co-chair the National Task Force on Solar Eclipses, and we have a website, which is eclipse.aas.org. Um, so that's the American Astronomical Society's Eclipse website. And on there, there's lots and lots of material, including links to lots of other people's websites. So it's just an easy one to remember. But the one that I really use, and um, I'm just going to give the basic version of the URL because otherwise it gets too complicated. It's xhubier, which is x-j-u-b-i-e-r dot free, the word free, f-r-e-e dot f-r. It's a French guy. But basically what he's done is he's plotted the um, the path of totality over Google Maps. And so when you go to this website, um, and if you go to the one I just scared, you'll have to tell it which clips you want to look at. Um, but if you go to this website, you can click on your house and it will tell you not only how much time you get or whether you're in totality, it will tell you how high up the sun's going to be, what time it's going to happen, everything. So that's my resource when I'm doing public talks. I will look it up for the specific location and then give that information. All right. So I'll get that link and I'll also add it to our web post as well so people can easily find it. Um, so I had heard that when a total eclipse happens that there is a meteorological phenomenon that it will part the clouds. So it can. It can go either way. So I think people are being a little overly optimistic, but I, it's a nice idea. So you want to think about it like this. Um, when you block out the sun, it reduces the temperature. The temperature drops by about a few degrees to 10 degrees, depending on humidity and temperature. But that means that the pressure drops, so you get a wind. And because the wind is directed so that it's going to that low pressure point, that means that the wind is going to come in and then blow back out. And so that's what happens as you might have, if you've got light cloud, like it's not super thick, but it's like low um, blocking a little bit, that can be cleared out. If it's really thick cloud, probably not. But, you know, uh, don't despair. If you think in the morning there's a little few clouds, the, uh, when the eclipse happens, the clouds will part and you will have an excellent view of this celestial event. Uh, we're gonna continue discussing the solar eclipse, how to prepare for it. Uh, and uh, you know, there's the more you prepare, the better the experience. But if you don't prepare at all, it's still an amazing experience. So let's talk about that. You can call in with your questions and comments, 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. The source continues right after this.
This is The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. A solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse, is coming to Texas and to parts of San Antonio Bear County. Uh, depending on where you are in Texas, totality uh, will be somewhere between 1.27 p.m. and 1.46 p.m. on April the 8th. That is a Monday. Uh, some schools will be open. Some schools will be letting their kids out so that they can experience this event. Uh, some people will be calling in sick from work. Is there, what do you, what do you, <laughs> can you call in with the influenza the, or some sort of uh, solar-itis? You know, what do you, what do you Angela Speck, what do you, what oh. do you? I'm sure we can come up with all sorts of wonderful names, but yeah, I think eclipsitis sounds like a, a good option to me. Yes, that's going around. Uh, so prepare. There is no uh, no vaccine for that. Uh, and so, you know, people should prepare for this. So Angela Speck is the department chair of physics and astronomy at UTSA. Um, is, it, is it worth it to call in that day and say, <coughs> boss, I can't make it in today? Yeah, you see, I would have been booking this day off months ago, um, <laughs> but I'm maybe obsessed. So if you don't, if you don't work where you can just step outside, you know, a lot of places, if you're in the path, being able to just step outside for the few minutes is probably enough. But if you don't, if you can't just get outside from wherever you're working or you don't work in the path of totality, it is worth finding a way to not be working. All right, so let's go to a caller. Uh, we have Gary on the line. And Gary, uh, thanks for calling in. You're on the air. Hey, um, Angela, this is Gary Bettis. Um, we talked just a, a few days ago about how um, these eclipses these, that, that are taking place um, uh, this year, last year, this year, and then um, and even a lunar eclipse, we, we found these in the work that we do with a NOAA solar calculator and NASA catalog of 5,000 year solar eclipses and found the same pattern uh, 4,055 years ago. I just wanted to say that that's, uh, these are repetitive. And so if that's the case, then some, the, some of these may be actually predictable to within a few thousand years. And, and Gary, uh, what does this eclipse mean to you uh, as you know, you're a part of the uh, native community here uh, and uh, you, you take the long view in the cosmic view of, of these events what do you how does what does this mean to you well it's it's a it falls along the, a pattern of venus venus crossing the ecliptic seven times it happened with the annual eclipse um just last year venus will cross the ecliptic seven times and and within a, within a two-year period and then you'll get an eclipse and the same thing has to do with this eclipse too so it's there are regular patterns here that our ancestors uh, understood were predictors um, of eclipses, but not all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. It, it's rare, but it uh, it usually precedes uh, Venus's crossing the ecliptic uh, seven times. But is this like an opportunity for you personally or help other people reflect upon these things that we typically are, um, you know, blind to? Well, I think that there's, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of folklore that says, you know, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be under the under the eclipse itself. Uh, but in fact, our ancestors, uh, when they predicted them, were actually representative of of their of their gods in the sky. And uh, and then other tribes talk about how it's the depth of the sun and it's the rebirth of the sun, and you shouldn't be underneath it. But for me personally, 
it's just uh, amazing that um, that our ancestors were able to predict these things hundreds and thousands of years out, and we just happen to be living in a very sweet time um, th- in this century where these things uh, are showing up at a, on a regular basis, predictable from at least the very least 2,000 years out. But this is not the uh, showing that the end of the world is coming or anything like that, is it? Not at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, last year's eclipse was the very beginning of last year's annual eclipse was the very beginning of our creation story. The sun that rode the deer through the underworld, and uh, and if you were underneath the eclipse, and if you took a peek to the right just a little bit, you could see Venus in the skies uh, later than you should have uh, during the day. All right, Gary, thank you so much for calling, and we appreciate your perspective. And so, uh, Angelo, as people um, with different views about the the world, and they look at the eclipse, and they see different things. Absolutely. So, um, as was alluded to, there's various uh, Native American groups and, and other international groups that uh, don't want to watch an eclipse, and we need to respect that. That's that again, it's it's viewing it as the gods, and you shouldn't be watching them doing whatever it is they're doing when they get together. Um, on the other hand, you've got other groups that are oh, it's being eaten. That was something that the artist talked about when he was talking about the the um, the celebration of the eclipse. Um, you know, the the sun is being eaten. The Cherokee, it's a frog that eats the the sun. So um, there's lots of different views of it, and it and they're all compatible. And we should just enjoy them and let people enjoy it the way that they see fit. There, um, last time during the annular Ring of Fire eclipse, we had some news stories telling us that this could be a problem for the Texas grid because now uh, solar energy is such a big part of our, where we get our power from. Uh, that was proven out to be um, interesting, but not exactly uh, true. Uh, so what, what does this, you know, and the stories that I read were always talking to people who were involved in running the grid, but they weren't talking to scientists who actually knew what eclipses were about. So anything that we, we should be thinking about now that it's a total eclipse? So the, the difference between the amount of sunlight that will be received at the peak of the eclipse is... It was a 90% eclipse for the annular, and now it will be a 100% eclipse. So there will be zero sunlight getting to your solar panels for up to four and a half minutes. But you know what? You can have like 12 hours when you don't get any light on your solar panels during the night. So it's a blip. It's not something that is a major issue. So dismiss that. If someone raises a concern, just let them know that's that's uh, that's proven not to be a case. So how do you explain to people who've never gone through a solar eclipse that it is it is something worth experiencing? So let me exp- let me describe what happened. So um, we'll start from you know you're about a few minutes out from totality. And at this point, the sky is not that dark yet, kind of like it was during the annular. It's not that dark. Um, but it's getting a little bit darker, but it's very subtle. And then a minute out, it goes from basically as dark as a, a severely overcast day to full moon dark in one minute. The colors change. Everything changes. And then as as you're just plunging into darkness, you get to see what's called Bailey's beads. 
the the surface of the moon looks like it has beads of sunlight on it because of the the moon having mountains and then the very last thing before totality is the diamond ring there's one valley on the moon that's still letting sunlight through but the rest of the sun is hidden and we start to see the atmosphere and it looks like an ethereal diamond ring and that lasts for two seconds and then it's dark and this amazing corona pops up in the sky and it's like this wispy thing that's really hard to describe nothing you've ever seen looks like it at the same time you're seeing stars and planets and it just got cold and you can feel a breeze on your skin and then there's the noises if you're in the middle of nowhere you may hear a lack of noise animals stop making noise bees stop buzzing birds stop chirping if you're around people there is screaming there is always screaming and at the same time, you're trying to take in the other things in the sky. All the way around the horizon is uh, sunset colors, all 360 degrees. If you can see the whole horizon, you want to look around all of that. And if you're at only a few miles into the path of totality, you've got maybe one minute to see all of this and take it all in. And then it's over. That sounds pretty <laughs> intense, incredible, uh, going through all that in the span of about four minutes. If you're lucky, if you did it right. Um, so when people are doing this, I see it happens all the time. They are trying to take pictures of the solar eclipse. And, you know, and, it's, and they're, using their, they're using their smartphones and doing things like that. But to me, it's like, don't take pictures of the solar eclipse. Take the pictures of the people around you. So absolutely. I would actually say if unless you're where you get several minutes, don't even take photos. Just take it in. This is something that this is an astronomical thing you can do without any equipment. During totality, you don't even need the glasses. It's only as bright as the full moon. You are looking at it with your eyes. Just take it in. Take in what's going around you. Look at what the people around you are doing, as well as any animals, as well as just taking in the whole scene. But trying to take photos, you'll just be like, oh, I didn't get it right. Oh, I didn't get it right. And it's not worth it. And now cameras have improved a lot, especially smartphones. But it's really hard to take a picture of, say, the full moon and not get something that just looks like a fuzzy blob. That's what you're going to get if you're not an experienced photographer. And if you've never seen one, just just enjoy it and don't don't try to capture it that way. Other people who have more experience will be taking photos. So just to summarize, I mean, use those uh, these little eclipse glasses as the moon begins its journey into the sun if you want to see that progress. And then on the other side, as the uh, sun, as the moon moves away from the sun. But when we have the totality, you can take off these glasses and look at the big black hole in where the sun used to be and be amazed. Absolutely. So the, the, the safe way to do this is you keep the glasses on until you see nothing. Uh, you might miss the first diamond ring, but you get a second diamond ring at the end of totality. Um, and basically, once you can see nothing through the glasses, look up, enjoy and just take it in as soon as you see a second diamond ring the sun gets so bright so instantly you will instinctively look away anyway look away put your glasses on enjoy the second partial all right uh let's take this other break our phone lines are open uh, we want to hear about your connection to the solar eclipse uh what you're expecting to do what you want to do uh any solar eclipse that you may have experienced in the past give us a call 833-877-8255 833-TPR talk it's the source on texas public radio we'll be right back
You're listening to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies talking about the coming solar eclipse, April 8th. Uh, circle that date on your calendar or make a note uh, in your on, what do you call that thing on, on your computer? Uh, you know, make sure that you sock away some time to become, uh, to, to just bathe in the solar eclipse if, it, if you want to. The number is 833-877-8255. If you got a question or comment, give us a call, 833-TPR-TALK. Uh, let's go to Matilda. Uh, Matilda, at, uh, on, the, on the air. Matilda, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Dr. Speck. Um, I just want to um, share with um, something I did with the last um, eclipse that we had on October the 14th. Um, what I used is the um, volcanic glass, the obsidian mirror, to look at the eclipse. So that's, um, I, you know, that is something that our ancestors would watch or, you know, look at the eclipse using this, this tool or this, you know, volcanic glass obsidian mirror. So, um, and of course, I'm going to do that again on April the 8th as, um, and just kind of see what, what it's, you know, how to, how it's, what it's showing, right? Um, cause, cause since this one total eclipse, you know, and the other one was the ring on fire, of fire. So, um, just wanted to share that, you know, I'm not recommending the obsidian there, you know, the obsidian glass, but if anybody out there does have obsidian, um, glass, they can always use that as well. It does the same thing that the, um, the solar eclipse glasses do, um, because others, as we were there in ceremony, others had the glasses that were given to us. Um, and so, you know, there was really no difference. It, it's the same thing. All right. Well, thank you for telling us that. We appreciate that. So obsidian is the volcanic glass, the black volcanic glass. Um, and uh, they had an abundance of that uh, in, in Mexico. Uh, so could see how that would be of, of use. So is it as uh, equally protective? So it's going to depend on um, are you looking through it or are you using it for reflection? So she mentioned the idea of a mirror, and that's a slightly different way of using it. But also it depends on how thick it is. If you imagine a piece of obsidian glass, if it's very thin, it's not going to have enough block. It's not going to block enough light. So you really need to have a piece that, you know, it needs to look as dark as a fairly hefty piece of welder's glass. Um, because otherwise it's not going to block out enough light to be safe. So it depends on the specific um, depth of the uh, of the piece of glass that you're using as to whether it would be safe, which is why I wouldn't recommend it because you don't, unless you've actually looked at it fairly carefully, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I understand it as a ceremonial thing, but I think for most people the glasses are much safer. The other thing is, so my husband's a volcanologist, and he knows, and we have a lot of rocks in the house. There's a big chunk of obsidian on the sideboard. It's dangerous. It's very sharp. It, yeah, you're going to cut yourself if you don't use really hefty gloves to move it. Um, and so, so I would say there are also other safety aspects with obsidian. Yeah, there's and few things are sharper than a speck of uh, obsidian glass. It's uh, it's sharper than anything, any anything, any metal, uh, which is why the Aztecs used it for for cutting and. Uh, but um, so what else can people use then uh, that they can actually build at home? So there's a few cool things you can do. Um, most people have done the idea of a pinhole camera. Actually, that's why the shadows under trees look so cool. The tree is making its own pinholes. It's just all the overlapping leaves make holes. A hole in anything is going to work. So you can take a colander outside 
um, you can uh, draw a picture and then, you know, stab holes in a piece of paper so that you've got um, the picture reflect is, is on the ground. The thing that I did at the annular that I'm totally going to do again is disco ball. The disco ball was amazing. What is that? So basically, it works the same way as the pinhole does. So if you think about you're in a disco, the disco ball has all these little square mirrors. But if you look at the lights that it's reflecting onto the walls, they're circles. And it's because it's not just reflecting off the, the, the square. It's reflecting an image of the light. Well, the same happens with the sun. So when you have a disco ball and it's reflecting the light of the sun, normally it's going to be a circle. But... During the uh, during the eclipse, you're going to get that partial phase, so you can actually have lots and lots of uh, partially eclipsed suns as your reflection from a disco ball. So um, I'm going to be wandering around with a disco ball on April eighth. <laughs> and, um, and, and as you normally do, it just exactly. happens to be the eclipse day. The uh, so the state parks in Texas. There are a number of state parks that are going to be in totality. Uh, they will be having events at all the state parks, uh, helping people uh, appreciate and understand uh, what is going on with them. Uh, Texas State Parks-Eclipse is an, uh, a, a website that they have. Uh, 31 parks are in the in the line of totality. So uh, people, but they need to get your tickets in advance. Absolutely. So um, if you, you can't get camping anymore, all of the state parks are already booked up for any overnight. Um, stays so any of the ones that have camping are completely booked they don't open their um, day pass until a month out so in a week or so on March 8th is when the parks will open their day pass and so if you want to go to a state park for this be ready because they will disappear very very fast what do you recommend to someone who says what do you recommend to somebody how to uh, what, what to do to get the best most out of this event so there's a, a few different things. Some of it is we have this idea of a, a we eclipse or a me eclipse. And I've done both. What I mean by that is you can be fairly solitary. You don't have to be on your own, but it could be a quiet space. So uh, the second one I saw in 2019, um, it was me and my mom and one other family in the middle of nowhere in Argentina. And it was great. That sounds pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. And the sun was setting over the Andes as it got eclipsed. Just pretty nice. Um, but it was also very different than the first eclipse where I was surrounded by people at a rooftop bar. So you've got the, you know, you can either be in a, in a place that is quiet and you're taking in the nature sounds and you're just really absorbing it. Or if you are, an, and I'm an extrovert, so I like being around people, uh, being in that space where you feed off other people's energy and really enjoy it. So you can do either. And so to some extent, you know, do you like crowds or do you not like crowds? Choose accordingly. Um, you don't have to go, you know, the state parks are going to be really busy. If you are in the path of totality, so uh, I live north of 1604. If I was to just stay at home, I would get over two and a half minutes of darkness at my house. And if I was inclined to do that, which my kids may do, um, I could just stand on the deck and take it in. And there's nothing wrong with that. So to some extent, people have to figure out what suits their personality, what suits how they want to do this. Um, I will be at UTSA with a humongous crowd of people. Now, I've read someplace to uh, be on the lookout for glasses uh, that are counterfeits that do not meet the standards of that the uh, American Astronomical Society has put out there? 
Um, so this is something that, um, in fact, Rick was on this show a while back. Rick Feinberg is the project manager, and he has been putting in a lot of effort to stay on top of this. So we maintain a list where we list um, both retailers and suppliers that are trusted. Uh, and we work with the, the labs that test them, but there are labs in China that are making fake tests. And so we also have trusted labs that we use, but there is a list maintained on the website I mentioned before, Eclipse, uh, eclipse.aas.org. Um, there is a list that says, if it's from the supplier, it's good. It's from this re retailer, it's good. And then you can trust it. So HEB? Um, actually, I have no idea whether HEB is on the list. I haven't checked. Uh, but I would be surprised if they weren't. And uh, so, but people tend to like not think that they, they, they don't need these glasses until the eclipse and so they wait and then it might be too late. So because, I mean, you know, everybody in the entire nation except for Western Alaska gets a partial eclipse. So these things are going to be scarce everywhere. But here there are going to be people like, oh, I, I need to get them now and then they won't be able to find them. They <laughs> will sell out. I know because I talked to them, the Alamo uh, sold all that they had at the annual eclipse, and I think most other places uh, did too. And so we're, we're like buying in 10 times more this time because they knew they could have sold that. So hopefully we'll have enough, but definitely buy soon. And Well, they're not, ex they're not expensive. No. It's like a couple of bucks. If you're paying more than about $3, then you're being overcharged. Unless you're getting some really cool ones. You can get plasticky ones that are, you know, a little sturdier. But if you're buying the ones that look like the old-fashioned 3D glasses, they shouldn't cost more than about $3. During the Ring of Fire eclipse, I saw people trying to stack just like normal sunglasses on their face. You have three or four pair of sunglasses to look up. Is that uh, dangerous? Yes. So even so sunglasses are designed to cut glare. They're not really designed for looking at the sun. Um, and... Even with three or four pairs, there's still way too much sunlight coming through. You need to get the proper glasses. And it doesn't really look cool. You know, this <laughs> looks pretty pretty dorky. I do want people to know that as part of Texas Public Radio's uh, community events calendar, uh, listeners can attend the Kerrville Eclipse Festival on April the 8th. It's a free event. Uh, so it's uh, And you can find out more information at tpr.org, and we'll have all sorts of uh, experts and goodies and stuff so that you can enjoy the eclipse with fellow Texas public radio listeners at that thing. And Kerrville gets like four minutes and 20 seconds. Those hill country places are really, you know, gearing up for a lot of uh, people coming to their towns. Uh, and, and so there's all the B&Bs and everything is selling out. So uh, this is a good, if you're looking for a place to celebrate the eclipse, see the eclipse, uh, This I think this is a winner. So I would say there's a couple of things to think about. Um, yes, if you, especially if you like crowds and you want to be with everybody, Fredericksburg, Kerrville, uh, Bandera, any of those places are going to be fantastic. But, and so, and what happens if we miss this one? How long do we got to wait for the next one? So the next one anywhere in the U.S. Uh, is over Alaska in the 30s. The next one on the continental is 2044, but that's in Montana. The next one over Texas. It's 2045, but only northern Texas. The next one over San Antonio is over is 2200. So make good use of this one. <laughs> Angela Speck, thank you so much for helping us understand the solar eclipse that is coming up and how to get ready for it. She is the professor of astrophysics and department chair of physics and astronomy at UTSA. Dr. Angela Speck, thank you so much for coming on board. Thank you. And this is The Source on Texas Public Radio. Thank you for listening. 
This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted and produced by David Martin Davies. Kayla Padilla is our booking and engagement producer. Engineering support from Ruben Garcia, Jesse Reeves, and Steve Short. Dan Katz is TPR's Vice President of News. The Source is made possible with support from the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation. 